0: You are listening to Your Practice Made Perfect, support, protection, and advice for practicing medical professionals, brought to you by SVMIC.
1: Hello, welcome to our podcast. My name is Brian Fortenberry. Thanks for taking the time to join us today as we're going to discuss another closed claim. And we have a couple of people here that can help us through this and hopefully learn a lot about what went right, what went wrong, and how we might be able to affect some people in the future as they practice medicine. We have today Katie Smith and Jay Ball. Welcome. How are you guys?
2: Doing well, Brian. Doing
1: very good. Thanks, Brian. Katie, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your time at SVMIC, your background and experience.
2: Well, Brian, I've been at SVMIC for over 12 years now. I'm a lawyer in the claims department. Before joining SVMIC, I was in private practice. And one of my jobs that I was able to do is help defend our insureds when they were sued.
1: You certainly have been here at SVMIC for a while, helping on these cases. So we'll be able to get a lot of information from that. Jay, tell us a little bit about your background. I know that you are an attorney. You're an accountant. Well, I do have a degree in accounting. I became a CPA in 1989,
0: and I then went to law school at night. So I practiced accounting during the day and went to law school at night. Came a lawyer in 95. I've been with uh, SVMIC for 18 years now, and I've spent all of that time in the claims department managing claims files for SVMIC.
1: This is an interesting case that we have today. It has to do with a middle-aged female that was a diabetic patient, and that always is a red flag for physicians and healthcare providers that went for the first time to this family practice physician to get medicine for her diabetes. So Jay and Katie, Let's start with the initial appointment. How did that initial appointment go when she showed up?
2: Well, Brian, I think it was a fairly routine appointment. She presents for the first time to this family practice physician and needs a refill of her diabetes medicine that was provided. And then the patient, as patients sometimes do, had a, oh, by the way, would you look at this area of concern? I have a lesion on my buttock that the record's described as a small pimple-type lesion. The doctor looked at it, and he was concerned that the lesion was infected. So in addition to prescribing medicine for her diabetes, he prescribed a course of antibiotics, sylva cream, and also pain medicine for her. And a follow-up appointment was scheduled for two weeks. It's not
1: unusual for a patient to come in and their primary reason for being there is one thing. And then, as Katie said, you get the oh, by the way. That certainly happens
0: with us, too, Agreed. doesn't it, Katie? Yes. We get calls all the time from physicians and office managers that have a question, and they say,
2: Oh, oh by the way. While I have you on the phone, that's right. let me
0: ask you this totally unrelated
1: question.
2: And we're always happy to answer that question, Absolutely. just like this doctor was happy to try to help this patient.
1: And sometimes the oh, by the way is a bigger red flag. Then the reason they call or is the main problem could be what they're
0: really calling about or what the patient is actually seeing the physician for that's right
1: so you have this patient came in for the diabetic medicine and this oh by the way lesion and he prescribes as you said antibiotics and says hey come back and see me in a couple of weeks well after the appointment and the antibiotics were prescribed what happened between that initial appointment and that follow-up appointment then in two weeks
0: Well, unfortunately, the lesion clearly got much worse during that uh, two-week period between the initial appointment and the follow-up appointment. As a matter of fact, the area where the lesion was became gangrenous. Gangrene was found on her buttock, and her condition got so bad that she eventually required surgical debridement, and then after that, she had to have a colostomy. So this lesion got dramatically worse during this two-week period of time.
1: Wow. A lot happened. Very
0: surprising.
1: We went from what was described in the beginning as a pimple-like. A small pimple-type lesion. Lesion to a surgical debridement and a colostomy. Yes. This is a big deal here. So what type of care did the patient seek in between those two weeks then?
2: That's really kind of the big deal of the case. it is. It appears that she sought no care, at least no physical treatment of the area of the lesion. The big issue in this case, in addition to the medicine, is communication, patient communication. Did she contact the office? If so, what did she say? There were varying versions of that story.
0: Yeah, the husband said that he called the doctor's office to say that they had run out of antibiotics and that they had run out of pain medication. And the husband even said that the doctor refused to see the patient, which I think is pretty difficult to believe that that's what actually happened. But that was the husband's claim. The doctor then said, Well, the husband called and said that the patient had run out of pain medication, and that was all that he knew had happened.
1: To hear that a physician refuses to see a patient is something that I don't know that I've ever heard. Now, that accusation has been made, but I don't right. know many physicians that are not willing to see patients in need. But was there documentation of any of this in the healthcare record?
2: Unfortunately, no. No. Of any of the calls. So we don't have a documentation to support what the patient says or the husband said or what the physician claims happened or what his office staff claimed happened. Mm -hmm. It's completely oral versions of the facts.
0: It really became a he said, she said type of an argument. And which are you going to believe? And that is often the crux of many of these types of cases. Yeah, that's really a main role of a jury in a trial is which set of facts are they going to believe? Uh, Can they believe one or the other? Do they believe neither? Do they somehow believe both and try to make the facts work together? Right. That's
1: a a main role of a jury in a lawsuit like this. Do you know, did they go to the ER at any point? To get to the point that we see what the outcome is, there's got to be a progression there. This has got to be getting worse over time. Right. If you call your physician and they say, I can't see the patient, or I refuse to see the patient, you would think that the next step would be, well, we'll go to the ER and get checked out there.
2: That didn't happen? Didn't happen. And so I think, Brian, you've highlighted kind of the second major aspect of this claim, which is a patient's own responsibility for their health to, at the very least, let a physician know if there's been a material change, progression, worsening of the situation for which the physician was treating them.
0: And if you have to seek care from another health care provider, if the husband is correct, which I'm not sure I believe, but if he was correct, that doesn't mean that you give up trying to seek health care. You go to the ER, you go to another right. doctor, you do something. The husband said that the wound actually increased in size and severity during this two week and smell. And he went so far as to buy a walker for the patient so that she could ambulate. So obviously the husband knew this was getting worse. Because
1: he went so far as to buy a walker in order for her to to move around. To escalate to the point that walking became difficult, you have an increase in pain, an increase in size, an increase in odor, and you don't seek further medical attention. There has to be some responsibility there put on the shoulders of the patient,
2: right? Yes, and I think the jury in this case would agree with you, definitely. Yeah. Obviously, a lawsuit was filed.
1: Yeah, I was about to ask, what ended up happening in this particular case?
2: Suit was filed. Mm -hmm. It progressed through litigation to trial, was tried, and resulted in a defense verdict for the physician. So the jury believed the doctor's version of the story and or blamed the patient for allowing her condition to get to the point that it did without seeking any additional care or follow-up care from the physician. When you
1: get a defense verdict, that's always a great feeling, certainly for the physician, because often it's validation that what you did was right or okay. That being said, now let's kind of switch gears a little bit. We say time and time again, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. And that that documentation in the medical record is often the best witness at a trial, because it doesn't forget, it remembers, all of those things. So if you don't have that medical record documented, then it becomes a problem where this might not have even escalated to a case being filed and even having to go to trial if that was in the medical record.
2: Is that fair? I think that's very fair. Jay, what do you think?
1: I think so, because if you've got some sort of documentation that you
0: made at the time that the phone call was made, the visit was made, you know, it's made contemporaneously with the communication itself, then if you have to show that a year or two years down the road, that has a lot of credibility to it, as opposed to trying to explain something a couple of years later where people's memories kind of fade or change over time or what have you. If you document that as soon as it happened, the jury's going to know you documented that not because you were preparing for litigation, but because you were making an honest documentation, an honest assessment of what really happened at the time that it happened.
2: It certainly goes to credibility, I think. Mm -hmm. Of course, in an ideal world, you would completely and fully document everything in the call, all the important things. But even if it's just a kind of skeleton documentation of the call, it helps, I think, for a jury to believe your version of the story. It certainly makes you more credible.
0: If the doctor had just made a simple documentation in the chart that said patient's husband called and requested pain medication, If that's all he had put in there, it didn't have to be a very lengthy note. Right. right? That would have gone to prove not only that that happened, but that the things that the husband claimed, in addition to that, that would tend to show didn't happen. That's right.
2: Right. And I know on our website, we've got a nice link for after hours phone pads. So not only the calls that are made during the office hours, certainly doctors need to be documenting it. We need to get our staff to document it. But also, if there's an after hours call, we need to document that and So if you need those types of pads, jump on our website. There's a link where you can request them.
0: That's right. You can keep those types of notepads at your home. You can keep them with you when you travel. You can always have those with you, and that helps a lot to have that documentation in the chart.
1: And we can certainly put that link in our show notes of this podcast so our policyholders can access that. You know, you may be that physician that nine out of ten times you document. Nine out of ten times you do this. But as it always turns out, that one time that you don't Mm -hmm. is when something like this happens. And so I really respect the physicians because you have to approach every phone call, every patient encounter, everything you do when you're rendering a medical service or giving advice, you have to think about it like, I've got to make sure that I've done everything to cross all my T's and dot my I's here because this could come back and I have to explain it one day. That's right. You, you sort of have to be on your A game all the time because that one
0: time out of 10 or that one time out of 100 is the one in which you're going to be questioned about what you did.
2: So I think it's all about just developing the habit Of that's the next step after whatever after leaving the room after hanging up the phone after giving instructions to your nurse The next step to complete that task is you got to document whatever needs to be documented. Just Finish that up
1: and it's easy. I mean in my life I get so busy that it's like I feel like i'm rushing from this to the next to the next and I think I don't have time to do that, but I really don't have time to be involved in a case That could go on for years or months. That I really don't have time for. So it's better to take up a little more time on the front end than deal with that on the back end. Great news here is there was a defense verdict for the physician. That being said, was there anything that the physician could have done differently in this case, if anything at all?
2: Well, definitely, we've talked about the communication. That definitely is an area to address in the future, a good teaching point, I guess, if you will. And then I think there are some concerns on the medicine, just things that kind of made me question.
0: The facts show that the doctor did not take a culture of the lesion and that a blood sugar level was not obtained from the patient. And he knew that the patient was there to get diabetic medication. So neither of those things were done. The possibility of a red flag might have been raised when the husband called and asked for more pain medication. I agree. That's not just the husband's version of the facts. The doctor admitted The husband called and said, my wife has run out of pain medication. And so the doctor, you would think, would start asking some questions. Well, why has she run out? Is she taking more than I've prescribed? Why does she still need it? Is the situation getting worse? You know, there should be some questions that are raised as a result of the husband calling and asking for more pain medication. And we don't have anything in the record that shows that... The doctor pursued that line of questioning.
2: Certainly, this patient is a little special because, A, she's a diabetic patient, mm-hmm. which raises right. all sorts of additional care concerns. She's also a new patient to this practice.
1: That's a good point. That is a great point. We didn't talk about that initially as much, but you have a whole history and physical that may not be as thorough because it is a brand new patient. That could have played in as well,
2: Sure, sure. And, you know, expectations. The patient might not know how this doctor's office worked, and conversely, the doctor might not really know how the relationship with the patient's going to play out. So that's just another kind of thing to keep in mind when you're seeing new patients. Just make sure you've got good communication about what they should expect from you and know what you need from them, and then document it.
1: Did the follow-up visit actually happen, or did things deteriorate enough that we never got to that point?
2: I think she showed up for her regularly scheduled visit.
1: She
0: did come back for that two-week appointment, and that's when the doctor first learned of how serious the situation had become. So she waited until that... She
2: waited until that time. Yeah, that's right. Yes.
0: It's interesting. The patient said that she waited the two weeks because she trusted the physician, and yet the husband said that the doctor told him that he refused to treat the patient. So there's something going on there that I'm sure the jury picked up on. Wife is saying one thing. I trust the physician. Husband's saying the physician wouldn't treat my wife. So what's going on there?
2: And I think that's just a little small point to make about medical records. and, And we are certainly very much encouraging thorough documentation. But when it happens, as it will, that you don't document everything you wished you had, The medical record is just a portion of what's presented to the jury. And so the jury has the opportunity to listen to your story and assess your credibility, do the same with the patient. So don't worry if you didn't put everything in the record that you wish you had.
1: As they say, it may be the best witness, but it's certainly not the only witness. That's correct. And so it's going to be the totality of everything presented there. As we get ready to wrap up, what are some main takeaways? I think we've hit a lot of them already with the communication issue, with the documentation issue. Are there any other things that could be learned from this in a similar situation for our listeners out there?
2: I think, first, we've hit it pretty yeah, repeatedly. We really
1: have about the
0: communication and documentation. Yes,
2: document it.
0: It feels like we say that a lot when we're reviewing these cases and we're talking about these cases, that documentation and communication is so important. But it really is. You know, it's amazing what a jury will sort of hang their hat on. You think that they're going to try to understand the medicine and that they would look at a case from the same perspective that a doctor would. right? But they really focus in on smaller type of issues that they can understand, such as communication and documentation. That's very important to the jury to be able to understand who said what to who and how can you prove that was actually said.
1: And I think most of the time, the jury and patients in general will give the physicians and healthcare providers, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they are trusting of them and they understand the difficult things they have to do on a daily basis and the difficult decisions that they make. So they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So whenever there may be some lapses in this communication and documentation, maybe they're a little less understanding of that, or it becomes a little more difficult at that point because they've given them the benefit
0: mm-hmm. of the doubt. Yes I'm not sure what the percentage is off the top of my head But I know that an overwhelming majority of cases that we take to trial the doctor wins Yes And a lot of that is because they're providing good care And a lot of that is because the jury as you said Brian Gives the doctor the benefit of the doubt going into trial
1: Well this has been a fascinating case And something that I know our policyholders and listeners can learn from To hopefully prevent this type of issue coming up in the future Katie, Jay, thank you for being here today
2: Thanks it was great to be here Good
0: to be here thank you Brian Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Practice Made Perfect with your host, Brian Fortenberry. Listen to more episodes, subscribe to the podcast, and find show notes at svmic.com slash podcast. The contents of this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and do not constitute legal advice. Policyholders are urged to consult with their personal attorney for legal advice as specific legal requirements may vary from state to state and change over time. All names in the case have been changed to protect privacy.